I've watched some of your previous shows and I like how varied Kieran's look is. Like sometimes he looks like all short haired and buff with no no glasses. And then sometimes he looks like he does today, like sort of floppy fringed with glasses. And he almost looks like different people. Maybe he is different people. That would explain how he's always like in five places at once. Yeah, yeah. This is Sheer Isolation. It's presented by Kieran Moore in Trowbridge and John Ponting in Cricklade. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is Sheer Isolation. I'm John Ponting in Cricklade, and I'm in, I am being joined in Trowbridge by Kieran Moore. Hello to Kieran. Hello, John. How you doing? I'm absolutely fine. It feels like it's been a while. We've had uh, not seen each other for a little while. It's been a few weeks, hasn't it? Well, you've been so busy with your new job. I did my first shift uh, last night, self-employed technically, so I'm not actually still not quite there as a uh, full-time yet, but I did my first shift at the Comedia last night. We had two bands in the Electric Bar. Um, one of them was a Cream tribute band, and the other one was a local band called um, the River Phoenix Band, and both of them were magnificently, brilliantly fantastic. And for people who did miss um, our, our show a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking to Kieran, you, you announced that you were in the process of leaving Trevor's Town Hall to start a new life uh part of the sound crew at Comedia so congratulations to you on, on your, your change in job role. Thank you very much John uh, it's appreciated it's exciting times for me. So it's a lovely venue but if you could uh, get a lick of paint on the roof that, that would just uh, on the ceiling that would make it so much nicer in there. You know what I've got a massive list of stuff I want to do during Christmas where it's quiet and I, I'm going to go in and there's so much I want to do to that venue it's unreal just sort so much all the little crevices that are knackered and old going to fix it all we'll give it all a nice lick of paint and it's going to be a brilliant so the purpose of uh, the show is to highlight and promote the local music and art scene and uh, in this half hour we'll be uh, chatting to uh, another absolutely fascinating guest and playing a couple of tunes kieran fair play on, on booking cj thorpe tracy author previously known uh, in a previous life as chris tt musician uh, he's joining us on on the show um kieran, for people who, are, who don't know um any of chris's past or present work he gives a quick rundown of who he is I came across Chris because he, he was a musician in the first instance and uh, a friend of mine called Frank Turner, who's been a previous guest on the show, used to cover one of his songs and the Huntsman Comes a March in. So it switched me on to who he was. And you obviously you listen to his music, the albums, etc. And you sort of get under the skin of the artist. And um, what I loved about Chris more than anything, more than the music itself was the lyrics itself. And lyrically, he's an absolute genius. He's got a wonderful turn of phrase and sort of concepts for stories. He is about to release uh, a book of uh, his song lyrics. And uh, he's got some other projects in the pipeline as well. So we will talk to him about that later on. Let's move on to our first track of the show, Karen. Artist I'm not familiar with, Emily Breeze. Who is she? She is a Bristol-based musician. I've sort of known about her music for a while now. And I've been looking to do a gig for her for a long time. I guess it's kind of post-punk is how you describe it. Almost spoken word. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really, I like it. I like it. I like the vibe. So she's going to come a headline in the new year. There's a fashion for that at the minute, isn't there? Kind of spoken word music. A lot of people doing there's, it. There's a lot of bands doing it. Um, it's, it yeah, very, very popular scene. It's, oh, it's, it's not far off poetry, which we're going to come on to in a yeah. minute. That Baz Luhrmann was years before his time with sunscreen. Really was, wasn't he? You, you look back at that in isolation now and you think, a lot of people grew up listening to that going, that dude's got an idea. Mm. Right, so uh, yeah, this is a track called Ordinary Life. Back then, rent was cheap in the wrong parts of town. You could walk into almost any place and get a cash in hand job. I was a terrible waitress. 
and an even worse singer. But I didn't care. I just knew something bigger, brighter, better was on its way. Someone was going to spot me walking down Stokes Croft and say, track is called Ordinary Life. It is from Emily Breeze, who uh, I believe is currently planning a tour and will be in venues near you very soon. Is she at Trowbridge Current or is she at Bath? You, you've got too many venues now. She, I don't know where to ask where she's playing. She's uh, going to be playing in Trowbridge at the Pump. In I believe it's May next year or February next year. I've forgotten. There's a big difference between those two dates. <laughs> It's not actually announced yet, so we're just we're just on that on that verge of announcing it. So, but you heard it here first. Make sure you you get your month right before you start putting your tickets out there. 
The ticket, so, technically, the tickets are on sale, and we have sold a ticket. So I'm just rubbish. I can't remember when who's due to play when. <laughs> let's move away from this. Let's go on to some more familiar territory. Have you got any product placement here in this week? I'm glad you mentioned that, John, because I do. This is a T-shirt by Brands New Vans from from Devizes area, Lavington, called Nothing Rhymes with Orange. And um, you know how you got your ch- I don't know if anybody's listening has got children, they'll know that children are a money pit. So they just constantly ask for money. And my daughter sent me a message saying, can I have £10 to buy a T-shirt from the, ba- the bands at school? So this is the, the brand new T-shirt from Nothing Rhymes with Orange. Technically, this is mine because I paid for it. But it is, uh, it's a medium. So it will actually fit me. Um, so this is actually now mine. My daughter likes to steal my band T-shirts as well. So I'm just going to I'm going to steal it off of her. Where do we stand on on lozenge? Does, does that not rhyme with orange? Lozenge, orange, lozenge, orange. I, I mean, maybe, that as a rhyme. maybe, John. What kind of music do they do? Indie rock, indie rock and roll. It's indie rock and roll for me. <laughs> they're a good band as well. They've just played in Bath, actually. So they've only played about five proper gigs, inverted commas. Um, but they're doing. They've got real lovely fan base from all their girlfriends and boyfriends at school so um yeah it's pretty cool okay then uh, we'll move on to this week's guest then shall we so uh we mentioned there in the opening link we're, we're joined by uh, cj thorpe tracy many people may well know him as chris tt he has moved on from being a musician so he uh, doesn't tour his music anymore but he has gone into writing and he's got a book that's uh, coming out in the next couple of weeks which is effectively a, a lyric book i'm um, take, taking lyrics from his old songs create them into a book and elaborated on them now Karen, you you've known chris for, for many a year haven't you i have i've known chris for a long time and i've I'm, i've always supported his work not just because he's a friend and all the rest of it but because of what he makes is absolutely fantastic um and it's an absolute pleasure to be talking to him now about where he's at in his career and what he's doing next before your internet and your laptop started playing up you, you asked him uh, what came first out of the songwriting or or the other right like the songwriting or the literature? Songwriting or literature, I think. Yes, there we go. Yes. I think I'd still say that music was my first love right from when I was a kid. But also, I'm a child of English teachers. So I was brought up with lots of grammar and um, loads of books. And even when I first started making music, that was the way I wanted to use words was in songs before anything else, definitely. But often, even really young, my influences were just as much literature influences as other songwriting influences. My my debut album in 99 was called Beat Verse, because obviously when you're a young bloke, you're uh, if you're into thinking that you're really uh, deep and intelligent, you want to get into the beat writers. And only as you get a bit older, you realise they were kind of but uh, I, I love the beat writers, even <laughs> was, now. Yeah, they're, no, they're some of the great, some of the great writer, greatest American writing is is beat fiction. So yeah, I was a songwriter first and foremost, but I was influenced by the world of literature. I would say, and it only gradually dawned on me over the years that I was enjoying writing prose just as much as I was enjoying writing lyrics. And always, it was very lyric heavy my music. So. I was quite a lazy songwriter and would often, in terms of melody or in terms of structure and production, I would often have quite a low standard of what I thought was acceptable. I still think the songs are great, but, you know, I was quite happy to leave a melody or leave a song 
fairly lazily structured as long as I got the words to where I wanted them to be. Right. So that was, yeah, the words were always perhaps too much of a priority when I was making music. Let's um, move away from the music then and move on to the, the writing. Um, do you want to tell us about this uh, new book you've got coming out? It's a collection of every song I wrote during my music career. Uh, it's the, a lyric book. I wanted to make it fat and heavy. So it's a, a really nice hardback lyric book with every single song. And I didn't want to do just a selection. So it's complete. And then... So how, how many happened? songs are we talking? It's 108 songs. And then I've annotated each one with sort of notes. So it's ended up having sometimes having the flavour of a memoir and sometimes having the flavour of a bad songwriting guide and uh, sometimes just being kind of whatever stupid thought comes to my head about the lyrics of the songs. But I did do quite a lot of etymology of every phrase. Anything I could think of that's a phrase or a word that's come from somewhere, I, that's how I sort of, in a way, that's how I disciplined the structure. Each song I did the etymology for everything first and then started thinking about what I might want to say about the song. The main reason I did it was because I've been trying to write, I've got a couple of novels on the go, he said, but I've got, got to, I'm trying to write two novels or I've written one and I'm trying to write another one. And the lyric book was procrastination. So each time I was thinking, I've, you know, when you send yourself off to do something else when you're meant to be writing, um, and sometimes that's the dishes or the vacuuming. And this time I I worked out that if I got annoyed with the writing, I would just drop back into the lyric book. And it was so structured, it was really easy to just pick a song and go, oh, what does that word or phrase mean in the song? And so it almost got written entirely as a process of avoiding writing anything else. Yeah, I now don't have an excuse to finish writing all the other things. So, <laughs> Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. I suppose you know, the, the lyrics from your, your songs, that they are in effect stories in themselves, aren't they? So you've, you've got like a hundred pretty much mini stories there. So I can imagine yeah. that's going to be quite substantial. Um, probably must have taken a long time just to gather your thoughts and, and just write down what you were thinking when you put the lyrics together originally. I came away from it quite exhausted with myself, but also quite proud that there's, for example, there are characters that recur on different albums. You'll find songs about the same character because I was so obsessed with, you know, like world building. I was almost like trying to do a thing where I was world building the whole way through. So you've got albums that are a decade apart, but they've got different chapters in the same person's life, or they've got little Easter eggs of plot things that happened on a previous album five years ago drops back in. So I wanted to sort of, flag them up and also pat myself on the back for for doing it but my songwriting always was really narrative yeah I'm not really great at the kind of look at me this is how I feel now type um excoriation of the self or the or the conventional love song uh I'm much more into like uh oh let's think of some funny story about rabbits or or about uh a bloke lost somewhere I don't know just things and see how the story pans out and uh, maybe they could have been short. I mean, that was one of the things I've been wondering. So I, I did 20 years sort of in music making and gave up at the end of 2017. So it's been five years since I gave up. And during that time, one of the main things I've been wondering is if I had spent all that time writing short stories, all the same songs, a lot of them could have been short stories. Would they have been better or would they have been worse? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't got a clue, but, and I'm not going to go back and rewrite them all as short stories, but it does make me think maybe because I wasn't that great at the music side, maybe what I should have been doing all along for the last, since my early twenties was just writing fiction, but 
I'll never know. I'll never know. Um, you, you said you got a couple of novels on on the oh, go. Yeah. Dare I ask what they're about and how far down the process you are? Back as far as 2015, 2016, I was working on a novel that is a sort of speculative psychological thing. It's a, a novel about a woman in a cave grieving and she's inside a video game in the cave and everyone else is running around playing the game and she's just inside this cave grieving. And I really like it. And it is at first draft level. It's finished basically, but um, it's not very splashy. Like it's not very high concept. Not, not that much happens. So uh, I then started writing another novel with a slightly more cynical view of, I need a, I need a splashy, I need a really flipping brilliant idea that, people will really understand the idea straight away. And then I need to hang a a novel on this really good idea. And then that will be the, hopefully the idea would be so strong in and of itself that I can then sort myself out for a debut, like try and get published for, you know, I mean, good enough to get an agent and get published. And so what I'm working on at the moment is that. The fact that you're releasing this lyric book, how how is that going to connect back into the songs that people may want to see you perform in the future, but that's not, on the cards yeah slightly conflicting way of doing it and Mm. i'm aware of that i mean the other weird thing at the moment which i'm trying to fix really hard is that some of the records that i refer to some of my older records aren't even available on to stream so i'm desperately trying to sort of sort out so that by december um because uh the book although people are starting to get their copies because i'm sending out copies as soon as the orders come in officially the book is out on the first of december my plan was to have every, you know, it'd be a bit pointless if people get a lyric book and then they can't listen to the songs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, that may that may even happen. Oh, that that may I, just be a, an absolute stroke of genius. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. I mean, yeah. In, in, in terms of creating buzz about a, a long defunct music career, that's it's not bad, is it? Because um, fans could start writing the the songs for your lyrics. <laughs> that is such a good idea. That's a brilliant idea. Oh, that's what I should have said. It's like oh. Here's a load of lyrics, but I'm not going to let you have the old albums. You just have to do it yourself. That's, oh, that's so good. Maybe I'll still do it. Maybe I'll do a competition for the best, completely different version of the lyrics. Well, you heard it I, here first. <laughs> yeah. During lockdown, I, I wrote a bunch of poems and then I published this poetry pamphlet. And I didn't don't really know anything about the poetry industry, which turns out to be quite toxic and, and kind of really? stupid in some ways that the, there's lots of competitiveness for very, very minuscule rewards. And the other thing that happened was I made quite a bit of money on my poetry pamphlet because I sold quite well and I self-published it. Basically, nobody that bought my book, my poetry book, was a was a poetry fan. They were all sort of followers of what I do. And then I'm not in any poetry scene or anything. And then I was chatting to this poet who's a really good, proper poet whose works I've read. And they were so annoyed that I'd made money off my poetry pamphlet. Uh, not not particularly at me, although I think I caught a bit of it. But And, and I realised that selling 500 pamphlets is almost unheard of in the poetry world. And it sort of really brought home how lucky I am that I've got this group of people that follow my creative life that still were interested in buying a buying a debut poetry pamphlet. I mean, I also did it all wrong. Like you're supposed to spend years honing your poetry craft and spend years 
submitting poems to magazines and getting rejected and very occasionally getting accepted. And only after a decade of that, you publish a pamphlet. And I sort of did it the wrong way around. So I I, I sort of maybe burnt my bridges a little bit with the poetry world, but it, I don't care. I'm just, uh, the reason I'm saying that is just to boast that I have this lovely group of people that still like what I do. That means I can sell a bunch of lyric books now. I mean, the lyric book is much bigger and much heavier than the, the poetry pamphlet and they're still buying it in quite large numbers. Okay, just to confirm the name of the book and where people can find it. <laughs> yeah, the book is called Buried in the English Earth and it's currently only available through mail order. So uh, my mail order is bordercrossing.bigcartel.com. I should probably say Tom Robinson wrote a forward for it. So it's even if you don't like my writing, it's got a lovely bit at the beginning written by Tom Robinson about how amazing I am, which <laughs> you can imagine, given that Tom Robinson's one of the most inspiring brilliant songwriters and activists ever although i've had at least three people going we didn't didn't think you were the sort of person that would get tommy robinson to uh write <laughs> so but anyway the it's the real tom robinson surely not it's chris the, surely not that one. can't be real <laughs> it's the good one it's the 2468 motorway tom robinson so yeah it's worth getting just for that to be honest because he's really good um chris we asked you to pick a, a track for us to, to play out from the interview and, and you've picked a, a band called jim bob Jim Bob is the former singer from Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine from the 90s, had a number one album, headline Glastonbury, absolutely brilliant band. And I'm currently the piano player in Jim's band. And the track I want to play is this lovely song called Beach Ready Boys from his latest album, uh, Who Do We Hate Today? And it's a, it's a, actually, it's not from that album. It's a, an EP track. It's coming out in the new year as a 10-inch EP. But um, this is a really good track. I really like it. The main reason I just wanted to share it with you, actually, was just about me, which is that I edited the video. They they shot the video on, on iPhones on Brighton Beach, but I edited it. I'm quite proud of the editing. Look out for all the seagulls in the edit. It, it looks really good.
out of vitamin D deficiency Or not knowing what the hit between the land and the sky is called It isn't a local TV news piece about children who've never seen a chicken with a face before either No, this is about taking his shoes and socks off And running full pelt into the salty wind With a sand between your toes, a smile on your face And not a care in the world Shreddy boys in a big black taxi With the radio on singing songs on the back seat Beatles, Elvis, Slade Stormzy, Slow Tie, Dave We've just played a track from a band called Jim Bob. It is called Beach Ready Boys. Um, our guest and today, I, CJ, is uh, Chris is is part of that band and, and made the video. So if uh, if you're not watching it on YouTube, uh, go go find it. Yeah, he's an absolute talent. The man's uh, talents know no bounds. He can also edit videos as well. News. I've got a couple of bits of news, Kieran. Have you got anything you wanted to share? Not news. No, not not specific. You you go and okay. I'll chime in. Okay. Well, first off, I'm going to talk about Corky. Oh, what's what's he been up to? Corky has been in my life as a musician for 15 years, and I've known him for many years before that. But he has got an album coming out, which for people who know Corky, this is very exciting because he's notoriously difficult to track down to get recordings off. Yeah, right. So Um, so so hang on a minute. This is is news to me. I want to know more about this. Is it the old songs? Is it new songs? What is it? No. So when Corky has released an album before called Gert Lush, and this was before he became the agricultural hip-hop words rap artist that he is today. So it's quite a, a more serious, subdued album. This new album is all of his rap stuff. Amazing. From what I can work out, it's it's just self-titled. So it's just called Corky. Um, it is available online. Corky is touring with the Wurzels um, over winter. So they've got a couple of local dates. They're at, yeah, they're at your venue, Kieran Comedia in Bath on the 8th of December. They're at the Bristol Fleet. Oh, is he 6th. supporting that? Yes. That's great. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I will be taking that show. So I'll get to see Tristan. Oh, I'm oh, looking forward to that. I'm tempted to come along to that one, actually, mate. Well, you absolutely should. Uh, another bit of news. Now, uh, Thomas Haynes, who's been a previous guest on here, he's uh, known uh, musically as Grasslands. He has now created a magazine. He's called it Sound oh. and Country Magazine. I just want to read you a sentence that he's published with this first edition, because I think you'll find this really interesting, Kieran, based on pre- what previous guests have said. 
This newsletter is a response to what appears to be the decline of social media as we know it and the increasingly painful task of trying to communicate to people about new music and gigs and the like with people who are interested. Basically saying that social media is now making it very difficult for artists to promote to their fans without having to pay extortionate amounts of ad revenue money. So I think that's probably true and accurate. So he's uh, produced his own magazine. Email us at sureisolation at gmail.com or you can log on to sureisolation.co.uk. You can uh, access our previous shows on your streaming service of choice or you can drop onto YouTube to get a video version. We'll be back here same time, same place next week if you're with us on radio. Kieran, we need to wrap this up because I could easily make this into a two-hour show. Once you've cut out all the errors, it'll be like 20 minutes. Plus the theory, yeah. Right. Cheers for that, Kieran. I will speak to you <laughs> Pleasure, very mate. soon, I'm sure. Take care. You take care. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.